Hey guys, welcome to season one of the Prayer House podcast. Our mission is to encourage and nourish everyone through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So welcome to the family, and we hope that you'll be blessed by this message. Hey everyone, uh, it's great to be back on here. Thank you guys for the opportunity uh, once again. Uh, thank God for the privilege that I have to uh, be on this uh, platform with you all. Um, it's it's so awesome to see. Uh, even I was just thinking back, uh, the amount of conversations I've had, uh, lengthy conversations I've had with people from Prayer House that I've not even met before and still yet to meet. And so uh, just, just the way in which God allows us to meet each other, to come together, to uh, share uh, from his word, to hear from his word, and to worship him together. So once again, thankful for that. Um, I'm here to just share a little bit about uh, my testimony, uh, just kind of um, how God has led me, uh, how I'm here, the grace and mercy that God has shown to me in my life. Uh, so, um, you know, oftentimes we we think of a testimony and we think of like, you know, miracles and healings and uh, great ways in which God kind of brought us out of a situation. Um, but I would say that for a Christian or believer, a child of God, um, all of our experiences, whatever it is, however great and uh, different and unique we have our testimonies or our experiences, um, the greatest thing we have to say is how it led us to God, um, how it led us to uh come to know Jesus. And I don't think there's anything greater than that. Um, it's great to have so many experiences in life, to have seen, you know, progress in your life. Maybe you got a job or, or things just started rolling. But if at the end of it all, if we come to a point where we don't know God, uh, then all of it's in vain, right? So um, my story is not really one of uh, you know, like a big experience or anything like that. But I, I have uh, really seen how many people find themselves or have found themselves in a similar situation that I uh, kind of grew up in and kind of was brought up in. And so I hope that through this and kind of through the scripture that I share with you all, that it will be an encouragement and uh, that you would leave here not knowing someone else's story, but kind of being self-reflective on where we stand in our relationship with God. So that's my hope for you all today. Um, and kind of when I was thinking about this, the first thing that came to my mind um, was the story of a man that was born blind um, in John chapter nine. And Jesus finds him and, you know, we are introduced to him because the disciples asked him, um, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind. And we see that uh, he spits onto the ground, Jesus spits onto the ground and made mud with saliva. And then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and go, said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And we see that he goes and he washes, he can see. But just throughout the rest of the chapter, we see this man uh, being confronted by the Pharisees and the Jewish crowd about how this happened. Who is this that has done it to you? Where is he? What do you know of him? Right? And we see this man is not able to really give an answer. He's like, I, I don't know who he is. I don't know how to answer your questions. All I know is that I couldn't see before and now I can. But the amazing thing to me and one of the, the main points of what I want to share with you all today 
is that Jesus um, found him later after all of these events of him being questioned by the Pharisees, not really know who this man was that healed him. Jesus found him later and said, do you believe in the son of man? He answered, and who is he, sir, that I might believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have seen him. And it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. So no matter what happens in our life, great miracles, great signs, great wonders, the heart of, the, of God, the heart of Jesus is that we know him. At the end of the day, um, this man was healed. This man had a great testimony to say. This man had a great experience to say. But when he was questioned, he really didn't know who Jesus was. So regardless of what it is that we have experienced or what it is that we have uh, kind of been led through, uh, my encouragement to you all and the one thing that I had to ask myself is, do I know Jesus? Do I really know him? Um, regardless of what has happened or, or what my story is, is, am I right now? Do I love him? Do I know him? Do I fall at his feet and worship him like this man did? And that's the heart of Christ. And that's what Jesus wants from us as well. So uh, that was kind of something that I had to really, you know, uh, ask myself growing up because I was born into uh, a Pentecostal household. I was born into, uh, you know, a Christian family, born and raised in, in that environment, in the church, uh, day one Sunday school. And, you know, mo like so many people. Um, and I've seen... I, and there was never a doubt in my mind. There was never a day in which I didn't believe that God existed. I, I would, there was nothing that you could say to make me believe that God wasn't real or that what the Bible said of him wasn't real. I absolutely believed it to be true. And I've seen the working work of God. I've seen God's healing. I've seen God's uh, 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 miracles and, and, and wonders and signs. But I was never at a point where I knew who he was. And one thing I always say to people and young people is there's a difference between knowing about God and knowing him. Um, we can know so much about God, but one thing we have to understand is the devil knows more than we know about God, right? So we don't identify or we don't uh, kind of examine where we are in our relationship with him based on how much scripture we can quote, how well we can articulate it, it's in the depths of your heart or who does your heart belong to, right? And so one, so kind of growing up and I'm going to kind of uh, uh, structure this, this moving forward in this uh, scripture portion that kind of really, uh, really well describes um, just my story. And it's John chapter one, verse 12 to 13. And it goes like this, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of, the, of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Right? So, but to all who did receive him, he, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's something that I just never got until much later in my life. The fact that you and I, and I'll say me because it's, it's, it's my testimony, I had to realize that I am not entitled to anything. I'm not entitled to grace. I'm not entitled to mercy. And one of the dangers of being brought up in a Pentecostal community is you feel like you are just in. You're, you're good. 
And there's so many things here that in the small portion that we read that kind of says, no, 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 that's not how it works. We read first off, he gave the right to become children of God born and who were born, not of blood. So that was me for a long time. I felt like I was born into this Christian household. I was born into a household where we had morning family prayer, night family prayer, Sunday school, uh, worship team, everything. VBS, I knew all the scripture portions, but I think by the time I was 12, I had recited Psalms 119, 1 Timothy 1, 2 Timothy, all of it, for all, 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 everything. Like that was, that was just me. And I felt like since I was born into such a spiritually minded family, born into such a spiritually minded community, into the church, that, was, that I was active in those things, I felt like I was born into Christianity born into grace, born into God's mercy and God's favor, right? And so for such a long time, and, and, and that's, that's the case for a lot of people, where you kind of find yourself in an environment and you compare yourself to someone else who is born into a different environment that kind of their life kind of leads into a, a, a sort of negative direction. You're like, no, 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 that's, that's, what, uh, that's what life without God is. I'm good. See, I was born, I, I, like from the time I was born, I've been involved. From the time of bo- I was born, I've been in the community that I should be in. So I'm good. And the second thing that it says here is, okay, not of blood, but nor the, of the will of the flesh. And that was, that was a next stage of when I realized that, you know, no matter where community I'm a part of, no matter what uh, uh, activities I do, no matter what family I was born into, there is still a distance between me and God. And no matter how much I involve myself, no matter how much I read the word or how much I can recite it, I knew in the depths of my heart that God was not there. Right. I knew that. And I could kind of, I can kind of push forward in, in kind of saying, well, I'm, I'm doing spiritual things, but in my in the, in the, my heart of hearts, I knew that my heart didn't belong to God. It belonged to the world. Belonged to myself. And the next thing we see here is, people who are children of God are not born of the will of the flesh. And you're not born into the family of God by the will of your flesh. And that's something that was so hard for me to really grasp because I I had to come to a point where I said, No, I I know that I'm far from God, but I can I can I can do this. I can sing. I can be involved in my church. I can uh, keep myself from doing certain things, keep myself from watching certain things, keep myself from saying certain things, from involving myself in, uh, in certain circles and certain communities. And I can, I can really will myself into right standing with God. That was the second major thing that I had misunderstood about Christianity, about a relationship with God, is that I can kind of will myself but we are, we are very, uh, and, and that's something that I, like, for a long time, but by the grace of God, through, you know, by God's providence and his grace, there were always people in my life that were kind of, at the right time, were kind of revealing to me things of scripture. And I was like, oh, dang. All right, no, that's not true. And one of the things that I had to realize is, listen, there is this, this idea of sin is something that we misinterpret so often. We think that sin is somewhere and we just go and find it and we're good otherwise, but 
sin is outside. So as long as you put enough force and energy into being holy and being righteous, sin can't get into you. But the, the, the mistake that we make in that is not realizing that sin is not somewhere outside. Sin is within, right? And we often put the blame on the devil. And any time that I would, I, would, I would mess up or I would act in a way where I felt like, oh, this, this energy that I'm spending and trying to be holy, I messed it up. Anytime that I felt like I slipped up, I would just be like, all right, that's just the devil trying to get me. That's just the world. God knows that's the devil. God knows it's the world. But what is the world and the devil? And I had to come to learn that we have a sinful nature innately. I was not, first I had to realize that I was not born into Christianity. Second, I had to realize I was not born into nothingness. I was born in, in iniquity, as the word of God says, born in sin. So the desires of lust, the desires of anger, the desires of jealousy and pride, these are not things that when I open my phone, the devil put inside of me. No, what happens is these things are innately in me and the devil just uses things of the world to bring those out. That's what, that's what sin is. That's what our flesh is. And so, you know, and other religions, they kind of talk about, hey, uh, uh, go in, uh, up into a mountain and they dedicate certain people to go up to the top of a mountain. And they, and they stay there and they're away from society because they dedicate themselves to piety and to holiness and to purity. But the, re the thing that you don't we don't understand is you can go to the mountain, you can go on and, and separate yourself from society and all the evils that you think that exist on this world, but you carry your sinful nature with you. I can be prideful up on the top of the mountain, my friends. I can be, I can be jealous. I can have anger. I can have lust. Those desires, they, they are innately within us. And the, the only thing that really gets us to understand our need of God is realizing that we are sinners. And before I continue, the one thing that I had to really, the one thing that led me into a misunderstanding of that was the popular preaching of the day, of the time. And I'm going to be very careful in how I say this, but, you know, when I was a really little kid, the, 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 I guess the Madeli or the Pentecostal community, the fear of the younger generation was falling into things like alcohol or drugs or, or like these major things, right? That's what the fear was. But toward, when I got to like middle school, high school, I started to realize that the fear should, is not necessarily, because I started to see my peers involved in church, involved in different things. So no one was really like going so extreme. But I find myself justifying myself, justifying my life, because I'm not doing such and such extreme things. But I'm listening to these preachers that are just validating the fact that I'm okay as I am. Okay? And I, and, and I really want to hit this home with you guys, is I was never, I cannot remember a single time where I listened to mainstream popular Christianity that told me that I was a sinner in need of Christ. The whole Bible is that theme, but I, it, it, it was never really presented to me. Okay. And I don't, and, and this is not an indictment on anybody or is this not any blame, but I'm, I want to just hit home that point that any gospel, any preaching, any church, any preacher or message that does not point us in need of Jesus because of our sin does injustice to who God is and who we are. 
We will never, I, and for so long, I could never come to a point of need, uh, of a need for God, because all I heard was God loves me and God has a great plan for my life. Great. Thank you. And in the meantime, God loves me and God has a great plan for my life. And I, here I am trying to will my way into heaven. Here I am trying to just be as holy and try to avoid certain things with my own willpower. And I kept failing and kept failing and questioning, wait, am I, am I really in a relationship with God? Because this doesn't seem like it's working. So identifying who we are starts at the point of realizing through the scripture that we are born into sin and there's nothing we can do there's nothing, no charity, no amount of times you can join prayer house and, and, and sing at church and preach or do whatever. And let me tell you, you can do a lot of those things and you can convince a lot of people. I'm telling you from my experience, for as, as a testimony, that you can, you can uh, convince a lot of people. But until we come to a point where we say, Look, no, 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 I've just been trying to present Christianity and it's never been a realization of who Jesus is in my life or a transformation to, to, to have him in my life as the, as the center of my heart till we get to that point, we are completely missing the point. So let me move forward here. So a, I had to realize that I was not born into Christianity. Second, it said not of the will of the flesh. I could not will with my own flesh to be righteous before God because all my attempts are in vain because I'm born in iniquity and the, and, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll continue later. But the next thing that says, nor the will of man, Man, this thing, this thing was up until up until my early undergrad is what really um, kind of uh, was a veil over my eyes, as you can say. Kind of really just covered me from really seeing what God, uh, this this the scripture was talking about. You cannot be born into uh, as a child of God. You cannot become a child of God by the will of man. For the for I think since I was I want to say eight or nine and there's a lot of people that know this I think I started playing in worship team when I was like eight years old right because I started off with the violin so any any young person you start playing violin boom you're you're on a worship team for some reason I don't know why that works right but then I like a year later I transitioned to drums and I was so happy when that happened I hated the violin right so I was in drums and man from that point onwards. I was just in it. And like they talk about Sunday Christians. No, I was not and Sunday Christians with quotes. I was not just a Sunday Christian. At, like I was really good at this Christianity thing, guys. Like I was really good. Uh, I was, I was uh, always involved. I was always trying to be at church, trying to do church things. Um, Sunday school, all of the things growing up and then being involved in different worship teams, going out, doing that, even to the point where I can preach. Like this right here, like I, I, I was able to speak in church without a problem. And man, I would get all the amens, hallelujahs, praise God, you're going to go around the world. I was like, yes, right? And for me, the fact that my, my parents could, 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 if someone asked my parents and they would say, yeah, he's involved, he's doing this, 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 and this, he's a solid kid. The fact that their validation was there was validation that I was a child of God. If you asked my pastor, he would have a thousand things to say about me as, as a great Christian. And that was validation that, all right, I'm good. 
I'm good. And so I just started collecting all of this experience and exposure and um, I guess involvement that I tried to validate as my right standing with God. And that took me for a long time. That took me for years because I felt as if, you know, if, if the world can say that I'm a Christian, if the world can say that, listen, there is no way that he's, he's, he, he's not a child of God. If the world can say that, if the world can give me that testimony, who else do I have to prove it to? When in reality, the truth is, if, you, if, if God cannot testify of you, that you belong to him, no one else's testimony matters. No one else's testimony matters. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't I do such and such and such? And he would say, I never knew you. That really, like, that realization just really dropped me to my, to my knees. To the point where, listen, the, 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 people that, the people that God will never know are not just people who are evil, that are uh, uh, murderers. The people that God says he will know are people that the world and their society would claim to be Christians. And that's not something that you often think about. That's not something you often hear, but that was, that was the reality of my life. If, and, and, and the thing that I had to tell myself, the thing that God really just hit me with was if you want to know if you are a child, if you want to know you are my child, if you want to know that you belong to the family of God, as this scripture portion just says, you are the, the way to do that is not to compile the testimony of your parents, not to compile the testimony of all the people that see you on prayer house, not to compile the testimony of all your church members who see you singing or doing worship or playing an instrument or speaking or being a Sunday school teacher. But if you were to take your heart and put it on the table and look to see what really uh, belongs, what belongs in your heart, what your heart belongs to rather, who is the center focus of your heart? To know if you're a child of God, the only testimony he has is who does your heart belong to? Who does your heart belong to? Who have you given your heart to? Because you've either given it to God. God has full occupancy in your heart, or he has none at all. You desire Christ completely, or you desire the world. And for a long time, I desired the world in God's name. I got the validation of the world and of my desires in God's name. But that's not Christianity. It says, not of the blood, not of, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. This is not a matter of what anyone can say of you. It's not a matter of what anyone else's testimony of you, of you is. And let me just say that as a Christian, yes, there is fruits of Christianity. There's fruits of being indwelled by the Spirit of God. But simply our expression, simply just our involvement is not an, uh, an identifier of who we stand with God. And I had to realize that I am not entitled to anything. That was the biggest thing. I'm going to wrap up here the next five minutes. 
I'm not entitled to any of this. I'm not entitled to be a child of God just because I was born into a Christian family, just because my parents were Christian, just because I did so much stuff as God owed me his favor because I, because I, I involved myself in the church so much. We, you and I are not entitled to anything. It, to be honest, you and I are entitled to God's judgment. The wages, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. That's our entitlement. But Titus 3 verse 5, uh, so many scripture portions where God just revealed to me his grace in the midst of that was, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness. That was huge. Listen, you, you belong to Jesus not because you have done such and such things and be counted as righteous after you fulfilled a quota, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the spirit. Christ saved me. Christ redeemed me. Christ entered to my heart by grace alone, by mercy alone. I was not entitled to it. You and I are not entitled to this. There's nothing that we do, nothing that we belong to that makes us entitled to the family of God. It's simply his grace. And that was, you know, in the midst of that, as I'm continuing to be like brought to the ground by the weight of the reality of the fact that I'm not a child of God, all of this stuff is just a facade. In that depth, in that realization that I'm a sinner in need of God, that's where his grace just shined. His mercy just shined, realizing, hey, there's nothing you can do, but the grace of God is you don't have to do anything. You don't have to work for it. You just have to believe that you are a sinner in need of God. And by the grace of God, by the cross of Jesus Christ, by his blood, you and I can be called children of God. That's the crazy thing. Not servants, not slaves, not people that belong to his kingdom, not angels, not principalities, nothing. You and I can be called his children. That's grace beyond grace. And so that's, that's my story. And I just wanted to quickly end with just an example that really even recently has been speaking to me, and that's John the Baptist. And one thing that I had to come to a realization of is we're not entitled to this. We're not entitled to anything. And you look at John the Baptist, the testimony of Jesus of John the Baptist is in Matthew 11, verse 11, he says, truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Think about that. Jesus said of John the Baptist, no one greater has arisen than him. And we know of John the Baptist, his father, Zechariah, was a priest, a priest. And he had a, and, and his, his mother, Elizabeth, uh, a wife from the daughters of Aaron. You talk about a, being born into the family of a priest at that time. That's no small thing. You have entitlements. You have entitlements being born into a family of a priest. You have a position. You have good standing in your community. You look at a guy like this who has all the entitlements, all the reasons to say that he's okay, that he's fine. I'm good. I have everything that I need. I was born into uh, uh, privileges. I was born into such entitlements. But look at what, look at what happened. We read later that John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon, meaning he, didn't, he came and his, his desire was not to socialize and, and kind of dwell in that entitlement and say, I'm good. Later, it says he didn't do any signs or wonders. So this great guy that Jesus is talking about did no signs or wonders. So John, you have all these entitlements. You have all of these privileges. You have all these rights to say that you belong and you are 
great and you are uh, in favor with God, why are you here? Why are you going into the wilderness dressed like that? Why are you going to the wilderness uh, by yourself, leaving all your entitlements behind? John himself says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John had all the entitlements, but his desire and his heart was not to live in his entitlements and be satisfied there, but to point people to one who is greater than him. That person was Jesus. So our lives are not about being complacent that we're born into a Christian family, not being complacent that we have entitlements, but realizing the grace and mercy that God has shown to us on the cross and desiring for his name to be magnified, his name to be glorified. Finally, I'll leave you with this. I know I'm over time. Matthew 7, verse 13, 14 says, enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. Only few will find it. Listen, the narrow gate, there's a narrow gate going uh, that, that Jesus is. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, but there's a narrow way. And I'm telling you, this narrow way is, exclu- uh, is, is exclusive and excludes a lot of things. And I'm not just talking about, uh, you know, these extreme sins that we're talking about. There's certain, there's certain habits, there's certain things that we just kind of have to put away for the sake of Christ. And the, the main thing I'll leave you with is if we live our lives in comparison to other people, to other Christians, and trying to validate our lifestyles by other people will never truly realize who we are in Christ. But to realize that we're entitled to nothing, to realize that we don't deserve anything, that we're sinners, but we have redemption and salvation at the cross of Jesus Christ, trusting in Him, believing in Him. And the question that I ask you today, if, you, if any of you are in doubt or whatever that is, it's not about how much have I done? How much have I given to the church? How many times do I come on prayer house? The answer is, do you really love Jesus? In your heart of hearts, do you really love him? That's the only validation we need uh, to be a child of God. I, I, let me just close in a word of prayer before we close. Father God, we thank you that you've given me this time to come onto this platform to um, just share my story, which is not my story, but it's your, glo- your work, your glory revealed in my life, Lord. We thank you. Lord, I pray for anyone on this line uh, that may be, uh, kind of just feeling complacent with who they are and what they do, Lord. Anyone who feels entitled to anything, I, f- I pray that your scripture would be revealed to them through the power of your Holy Spirit to show that we are not entitled to anything. We don't deserve anything. We are not born into your family. We do not work our way towards it. We Nothing else proves it to us, but simply your love shown to us on the cross. And Lord, our trust in you as our Savior is all that we have. Lord, we thank you that you've given us the grace to know you. You've given us the privilege to be called your children. Lord, I surrender every single person into your hands. So we thank you, give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Once again, thank you to Prayer House for this opportunity. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please drop us a rating and review if you have the time. We'd really appreciate it. Till then, keep searching and keep listening for his voice.